Welcome to another episode of Crouching Tiger Hidden Podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and I'm here as usual with Vader. How's it going, Vader? Hello. Good, thank you. <laughs> Today, we'll be covering um, a couple of the Yipman films. <laughs> we'll see which ones we get to. Um, at least number one and two. These all, uh, they all star uh, Donnie Yen, and the director, Wilson Yip, is the same uh, for all three films. Uh, there actually will be a fourth film um, that's in pre-production right now, so it should be out, I believe, next year in um, 2018. So, ten years after the first movie, which came out in 2008. Oh, heck, has it been that long? I know. It <laughs> didn't feel like, like it. yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So when did you first watch this film? Was it recently uh, or did you see it? No, on I, I saw the first one when it came out. Um, yep. And then the, the second one I saw probably a little bit after, maybe a year or two later. And then the third one I watched just this time that I hadn't seen it before. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I saw the the original on release at the movie theaters. Oh, uh, it was it was it yeah it had quite a wide release as far as I can remember for a for a, a martial art film, and yeah I went to the film with a friend of mine who was doing um, his masters in film studies with you know focusing on Asian cinema so it was very interesting going and seeing it man with him and yeah and then the rest I just never got around to seeing and so I watched the last couple of weeks to get ready for this podcast. <laughs> And so they're all very recent. And unfortunately, because I've got a busy schedule, I had to watch the, the recent two in English dubbed. And surprisingly, the third one actually held up quite well, even dubbed. Um, I guess there is a few more English characters in the in the actual film. So it, it kind of it worked a little better than dub usually does. Okay. Yeah, I haven't even heard the uh, dub for these. I think I've only watched them in Chinese. I'd, yeah, I would prefer um, to watch them in the original with subtitles yeah um, yeah huh. they're still good films and with no they're most... great i mean i probably should have watched these more often than i have i mean i own the first one um and they, they, um they just released or at least fairly recently um like the trilogy as a box set they've been doing a lot of oh, cool. extra box sets so that's uh for all your listeners worth picking up it's good <laughs> They're exceptionally well-made films. Uh, compared to a lot of other martial art films we've discussed, the production value is a lot higher in this, it seems. Uh, and they, yeah, very well filmed, look great the whole way through. Cinematography is fantastic. Uh, yeah, they're very, very well-made films. Yeah, the um, the soundtrack's really good on all of these. They have that um, iconic uh, theme that pops up uh, whenever... Uh... Yip Man is going to get serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's serious a lot, and that's when we like it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, oh, I guess real quick, uh, the director, Wilson Yip, um, he, he has a handful of other films, but his most notable ones I, I put on here. So he did um, Chapeau Lang in 2005. That's uh, the Western re- title release of that's Kill Zone. Um then he did uh, Dragon Tiger Gate okay. in, in 2006. 
Flashpoint in 2007, and he will be doing Yeetman 4 in 2018. Um, I picked all of those because every single one of those um, uh, stars Donnie Yen, actually. <laughs> oh, cool. Because I think, was it Yeetman the, the movie that kind of brought Donnie Yen to the West and kind of made us more aware of him? Because I don't remember him for much else before this. Uh, no, his film, I didn't actually include his filmography here because it's extensive. Um, now he's been doing stuff since the early eighties. Um, but yeah, because I mean, he was in blade two, um, and a few other, uh, American released films or directed films. Well, yeah, he's in fist of fury, the TV series, which I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, he he did that one, and that's um, where he portrays uh, Chen Zhen. And we yes. I think we discussed a little bit the um, Legend of the Fist uh, Return of Chen Zhen, um, 2010 film. But the film series was uh, 15 years earlier in um, 1995. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, Man was the first movie that I became more aware of who he was. Uh, but he's very talented. Oh yeah, I mean, um, we we just we discussed him in um, Hero a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll eventually have to dig into some of his other films. Um, I would. Uh, I don't know. I'd recommend any of the ones that uh, Wilson Yip uh, directed. Actually, they're all they're all pretty solid. Maybe not Dragon Tiger Gate. <laughs> it's, it was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> that one's based yeah. off of a um, like a, a a comic series, comic book series. Okay. So, um, aside from Donnie Yen, we have our lead antagonist, uh, Miura, in the film. Um, that's Hiroyuki uh, Ikeuchi. And he, his filmography is more like dramas or sort of like delinquent slash gangster kind of films. Um, but he does have The Wrath of Vajra in, in uh, 2013. Um, that again was a Chinese production. Um, and he also was in Railroad Tigers, which I have not seen. And that's another Jackie Chan movie, uh, from 2016. Okay. And yeah, he's a, he is a Japanese actor mm-hmm. and plays a Japanese character. Yes. And his filmography is like 99%, um, Japanese films. I didn't recognize, but maybe one or two of them, and they weren't martial arts ones, so I just let them be. Yeah, I would, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't recognize them. Um, yeah. He's not in the, to be the main bad guy, he's actually not in the film a whole lot. No, he's, um, he's like the Godzilla of bad guys. <laughs> he, he only pops <laughs> up in the last, like, ten minutes. Yeah, because yeah, he kind of, yeah, makes an appearance reasonably early on but then kind of disappears yeah but yeah, you say godzilla's a good analogy but i think you got the wrong podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's your other podcast yeah. uh, but no he does a good job um he he is the bad guy but he has the very uh, there's still he has some honor in him as well he likes to fight and he doesn't mind people getting hurt but he yeah they still you know he's a man of his word i guess yeah um they They didn't stereotype him as much as they did um, his subordinate, who mm-hmm. was just just shooting anybody. <laughs> he was just yeah, randomly was killing the Chinese people. 
So um, I guess uh, the the next major um, actress actually is um, uh, Lin Hung, and she plays uh, Chung Wing Sing, which is uh, Ip Man's wife. Um, she's in all three movies as well. Uh, a, a little bit lesser capacity. Her role doesn't. Um, I guess it serves to sort of ground um, Ip Man and bring like family drama into the film too it's nice to have in there it's not you know it's a straight martial arts movie it's a story of his like later life so it's interesting how her arc uh, evolves through the three films the first film um it almost plays in a little bit of comedy there is tension because his wife doesn't want him to go keep fighting all the time like the silly boys do um but it, it provides a bit of comedy in the first one but then as it goes on, it creates yeah more sadness and uh, yeah contrast between his responsibilities as a martial artist and his responsibilities as a father and, a, and as a husband. Um, so yeah, interesting arc. And yeah, I think it's well portrayed and her role adapts and evolves as the films go on. Yeah, it was nice to see um, the same thing with uh, his son in the film. Um that's, I think, where the comedy kind of comes in, <laughs> especially in the first movie. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, you're right. The, yeah, the, the kids cycling through the fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was more, I was thinking of the scenes where, like, the other martial artists come and they see the wife's not happy and they're like, oh, yes, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. And just kind of, yeah, I found it quite amusing. And she just, just gives a disapproving look. Yeah, and that's all, that's all that's necessary. I mean, she... Uh has that presence, you know, where she doesn't have to resort to force. It's just like force of will instead. Yep. Um, and yeah, I, it's nice to see uh, Ipman's respect and love for her throughout the films. Uh, the actress uh, is down on Google as a model. So she, it seems like she has done TV and acting, but she, her, she's most well known for her modeling. Yeah. I mean, just her general IMDb um, didn't really have many entries and i think um Yipman might have been one of her first if not her first um film role hey but she did a good job yeah no it was um it was nice to see uh another character lasting you know through all three films we get a, a little bit of that uh crops up with our um our next character kwan played by the always wonderful um simon yam um he portrays a different character in the successive movies each time actually so it's a yeah. little uh, little awkward to you know realize he's not playing the same guy yeah i couldn't keep up with it uh <laughs> yeah i mean i i didn't either i think i just thought he was the same dude <laughs> i felt bad about that um yeah but uh yeah he he plays or his filmography is huge, too, so I just grabbed a, a small handful of them. Um, he's in Miracles uh, with Jackie Chan in 1984. Um, then, again, uh, in Chapolong 2005. Um, he's also with uh, Donnie Yen in Bodyguards and Assassins in 2009. And Man of Tai Chi uh, in 2013 with... Uh, oh, um... <laughs> what's his name oh my goodness uh, he's in there with John Wick <laughs> okay yeah I don't know that film I I 
the Tai Chi film I remember is uh, it's, I think it's either called Tai Chi or Two Brothers. The two different names I've heard the film, and that's what I thought it might have been you referring to. But no, I'm yeah, not sure. no, I'm not aware of that one. Yeah, this is uh, um, oh, Keanu Reeves um produced oh, okay. this, and he stars in it as the as the villain actually. Yeah, I have to look it up later. It's a, it was pretty good. It's a good, good, good martial arts film. Um, and then he's in um, Shapalong Two or Kill Zone Two uh, from in 2015. So a lot of these guys, um, they're in a lot of the same movies together. Uh, usually, when the same director, that's nice. He has a familiar cast to work with, which we've encountered before um, in uh, Snake and Eagle Shadow and Drunken Master. Um, I was surprised how different he looks in the first film. He's, uh, does not look like a fighter at all. He doesn't look like a martial artist, very, uh, soft looking character, but some of his other, uh, roles he's played are a lot more forceful. Yeah. He's usually a, um, like an inspector or a detective or something. They're kind of a grizzled, uh, veteran. Usually there's yeah. salt and pepper stubble. Yeah. But he just doesn't look like grizzled at all in this film he's very as i say pacifist looking and so it's really well you know yeah it suits the character uh, credit goes was acting yeah it does well <laughs> then we have uh jin shan Zhao. um this is the northern um they're not really a gang but uh it's a northern challenger that comes down uh to foshan to start up his own school but he wants to go around and beat up all the other masters first <laughs> to prove that he's the best he's funny because uh, he's it's interesting because he's not shy about potentially hurting or killing someone and so it's kind of like the the ancient china meeting modern china it, and this is the point of history i guess that's happening anyway and it's yeah, it reminds me of like the Chinese version of Wild Wild the Wild West, where like there are laws but not that well enforced. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, um, he's just mm-hmm. going and just breaking stuff and yeah, yeah. So this is set in 1937, and um, there'll be a few other movies maybe we'll take a look at um, that are the late 1800s. Um, is going to be like that specific period where yeah, yeah. it's all that Wild West feeling. Because some of the Jackie Chan's one we've covered, Drunken Master, are kind mm-hmm. of that, that kind of period, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, um, I just love how he just mm-hmm. rolls into town and just <laughs> yeah, with the... his with his posse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, he he has a reoccurrence in the third film, isn't it? Uh, he's in the second one as well. Is oh, he, he is. Three? He's in number two. He is the, um, he works in the market in the second one. Yeah, because the third one, he he helps protect, um, comes to support uh, Ipman uh, when his student's in trouble, which may be the second one or the third one. I can't I remember. It's, it's the both of the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the second two are blurred together. I watched yeah, it so close together. It's um, it's with Sammo Hung, so it's number two. Uh, okay. Yeah, they blur together. You're right. Mm. That is number two. Uh, so now I can't remember what happens in number three. Oh, that's oh. Mike Tyson. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, so, um, 
Yeah, so Jin Xian Zhao is um, portrayed by Fan Su Wong. And his start into the um, Hong Kong cinema was the film Ricky O um, in 1991. And I don't know if you've seen that, but that's pretty crazy violent movie there. Oh, okay. No, I haven't. That's um, This is one where um, there was a... Uh, I don't know if it's internationally, but the, um, the U.S. Uh, Comedy Central had a, like a little clip where it showed some dude crushing a guy's head and it would explode um but that's uh rikio so yeah people get punched in there and they blow up and it's it's super unrealistic and it's great <laughs> it's a terrible movie but it's a lot of fun okay then he's yeah, in um he's in super cop 2 in uh 1993 so that's with jackie chan cool and Flying Swords of Dragon Gate, um, 2011. I don't remember if I watched that, but that's another uh, wuxia where they, you know, there's a lot of wire work and stuff. Um, yep. And then um, he's in uh, 2014's um, Kung Fu Killer, uh, also with uh, Donnie. Okay. This guy was a yeah, lot of fun. I, I mean, um, his, uh, his character, you know, he's kind of like that braggart, but he, he can... You can back it up, uh, just not against uh, Mr. Yipman. No. Uh, yeah, he, he was good. And I like that, again, uh, I like that we got a character arc and a, a tonal shift um, for him between the first two movies, which yeah. I thought was the first and third. But, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it, it's cool to see him uh, turn from being arrogant and assuming he's going to beat it man to being actually a friend and someone who's willing to support and help it man. Cause he respects him. Yeah. Um, which is, um, which is very cool. And I mean, everyone kind of had to band together because the Japanese came and occupied China. So <laughs> the countrymen together in this, uh, in number two. Yep. Yeah. That was cool. Then we have uh, Lin. So this is the um, elder brother of, well, the two brothers in the film. The younger one who's the has the kite and who witnessed um, our initial battle between uh, Master Liu and uh, Ip Man in the start of the film. Yep. So the elder brother is portrayed by um, Xing Yu, and he has, uh, he has a pretty good filmography. He was in Kung Fu Hustle in 2004. Uh, Dragon, Dragon Tiger Gate, again with... Uh, Donnie Yen. Um, Fatal Contact in 2006. That was with Wu Jing. And that's a, another really good just beat him up film. Um, he's in Flashpoint uh, 2007. Also with Donnie Yen. Again, Bodyguards and Assassins. And um, he's in Wrath of Vajra um, with uh, Hiroyuki Higuchi, who is Miura. And also Kung Fu Killer with Darnian again. <laughs> so these guys work together a lot. Yep. And then and does he uh, reappear yeah, in any but, other films? Does he reappear appear in any other films, or is he is that the only one? Um, I don't think he was in the second one. No, no I can't remember. No, um, no, his character passed away. His, oh, the, okay. the kid brother is in the second one. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's I right. Because yeah, the. He gives him the, uh, the kite. That's right. Yep. That's right. I remember now. Uh, the, that's interesting with the first Ip Man is that it's almost two films. Like there's, it's 
there's like a first and second half to the yeah. film it almost, and they could have easily been split into two uh yeah so that's why these films blend, blend together quite well <laughs> easily when you've seen them all in quick succession yeah the, i mean the first one it's it's almost like a tonal shift about halfway through the movie so we have um in 1937 where they're just in foshan and everything's uh it's kind of doing well for everybody um eight months uh he's he's affluent he's in you know a little bit of upper society um He's well respected in the community, and they um, Foshan has like a, a large um, gathering of martial artists and schools um, that are there. And then in the second half of the movie, it's when the uh, the Japanese invade, and um, everyone's sort of relegated to it's Poverty. it's not even second class citizen; it's like below that. Yeah, um, and it, they, they depict that very clearly with just people being shot in the street for nothing. Um... Yeah, it's a very, very dark shift because it is, yeah, it's your classic kung fu, cheesy martial art kind of start. And then it, then it concludes with, yeah, very dark story. And then standing up against, yeah, the big... Yeah, the, the Japanese the, the <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the cast for the first one well it's the major one isn't it or have we got one more um master lu uh he, he only has like two other roles that that were large um he was in fearless uh with Jet Li in 2006 and then 14 blades in 2010 uh which i think also had donnie Yen. um and master lu is the uh singy um practitioner uh who's soundly defeated by Iman, and then um unfortunately uh is killed um in it's not even leaving combat he just gets shot in the head <laughs> uh yeah that was the when they yeah the occupation the the japanese the main bad guy likes to see his soldiers fight uh with the uh, kung fu martial artists and yeah he ends up with how does he how many does he beat uh, he beats quite a lot he, what did he request i think he requested three people so he finally yeah. beats one guy, and then he's like, "I'll fight three because each person that he beats, he gets um, like a sack of rice, mm-hmm. and so um, to provide for his, you know, his family, or he wants more rice. And um, even though he beats, or no, he he actually doesn't win. He gets beaten, and um, he goes to pick up the one bag of rice that he had won, and the the lieutenant, I believe, um, yeah, shoots him. Shoots him. Which, as I said, the the pers- the main boss, the general, isn't happy with because he is a man of honor. He still won that and owned that back rice. He would have let him have it. Um, but yeah, the Weasley assistant shoots him. Yeah, yeah, uh, and which which is the catalyst, the spurring Ipman to fight. Yes, and uh, he he does not fight three people. He fights. 10 <laughs> yes <laughs> which they bring up a lot in the film because he gets asked a lot can you really beat 10 men <laughs> yeah uh yeah um so should we uh, dive into some reviews now we've covered the cast yeah let's uh what did we dig up uh i was a bit slack so it's last minute <laughs> uh but we've got a, a a touching movie is the title of this review and it is a 10 star from um imdb 
and this is the author is from China. So, which is kind of cool. That's we've had all around the world, I think, so far, but not from China. Ip Man is a very touching and full and full of mildness, considering it's an action movie. Wisdom, courage, elegance, humor, all the mixed elements you surely will feel from Ip Man, and they will definitely move you. All actors have done have done a great job. I believe this is the best movie that Jin Zidane has ever contributed. This time, he is not only a warrior, but also a wise, gentle, and conscientious man, a good husband. Uh, people clapped hands and wept from time to time. I have watched it for two times. Sorry, this is, as we said, this is someone who's not English as their first language. <laughs> um, I have watched it for two times and longing for the third time with the DVD for when the DVD is coming out. You know, it man did not ballyhoo before it showed it, but it undoubtedly becomes a huge dark horse. It is really worthy of it, of watching it. So yeah, um, I agree with all of that. It's, it was, yeah, it's, it was well, as a well portrayed movie. The actors all did a pretty good job. There was some cheesiness in there. Uh, there was humor, uh, but there was also some fantastic cinematography. Uh, some of the fight scenes and the way they were filmed were a lot, yeah, a lot more detailed and purposeful, more purposeful than some other um, kung fu films we've covered. So yeah, I really liked it. I like this person, Orchard from China. <laughs> um, let's see if we can find a bad review. I'd, I'd be surprised if you found a bad one. Oh, there is, there is oh, some. there is one. <laughs> yeah, there is a few number one stars. <laughs> I think we'll just lucky dip this one, take the first one. Uh, can't believe this one on the top 20, 250 list. Uh, oh, this is also uh, a writer from China. Hmm. Uh, as a Chinese, I really can't believe this movie is on the top 250 list. This is one of the most superficial movies I've ever seen. The nationalism dialogue and the uh, and the detract of Japanese and the unrealistic display of kung fu is almost a joke. I voted for one, not only because it's he, he, sorry. I voted for one, not only because it's a bad movie, but also for a protest. I can't. I can't see this one. I don't know what it means. I can't this one can have a higher can't see this one having a higher score of the real masterpiece of Chinese movie. This is unbelievable for those who interested in Chinese movie. I recommend Zhang Yimou's lifetimes living. Kaji Chen's farewell, my concubine and Ching Wen's devils on the doorstep. These are all masterpieces re revealing the real mental attitude of Chinese people and the historical appearance of Chinese society. For those who, who are interested in Kung Fu movie, Jackie Chan is better. Bruce Lee is always good. All in all, forget this one. Yeah, sorry about that. I read that and it was a few interesting English sentences, so I had trouble reading it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting take, especially some uh, Chinese person. Yeah. What are your um, thoughts? We might circle back around to that one. Uh, that plays into um, some of the questions um, that we got in for the for the podcast. Okay. 
uh, yeah, it's interesting because I guess as an outsider, we can look in and see it's an, it's a portrayal of Chinese culture, but we may be wrong. We may be projecting <laughs> what we think it is or yeah, should well, be. For sure. I mean, we're definitely getting a Western point of view in a specifically um, Chinese film. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think the one is overly excessive. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, they're. It sounds like they're not judging this as a, um, a a kung fu movie, but as a piece of Chinese cinema. Um, and I, I of the list that they named off, I did see "Farewell, My Concubine." Um, yeah, that's more specifically Chinese. Um, this, yeah, this deals with you know nationalism, as they as they mentioned, and um, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that maybe toward the end of the episode. Yes. Um, yeah, I get, I get that. It seems like it's more, as he said, a protest vote or mm-hmm. score. Uh, and yeah, interesting stuff. And, and I guess it is a dramatization of a true historical character. And yeah, so it, it's an exaggerated maybe to an extent, but he did live and he did make an uh, impact on the people around him. Um, very interesting. I guess we can jump. So we're going to talk about Ip Man 1 or do we want to try and talk about all three at once? I don't know how we're going to do this. It's kind of like a mammoth task. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we'll we'll move through them all at once and just kind of knock out the uh, the cast um, briefly. Um, it's, it's much smaller on the second and third films. Okay. Yep. So we have um, uh, in Ip Man 2... Um, we have Sammo Hung, which we brought up briefly uh, earlier. He portrays Master Hung, um, one of the um, Hong Kong ma- uh, masters. So in the second film, um, Yip Man is in Hong Kong and he wants to set up his school. Uh, but to do so, he has to basically prove himself to the existing um, martial arts instructors. Or the, the the grandmasters that are there, and Sammo Hung is um, his character, or Master Hung is one of those. Um, well, he is he is the yeah he's the, the he's the big boss. <laughs> it seems like he's created this guild to line his own pockets, and he gets called out on that by that man at one point, which is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he does a good job of the thing. Um, yeah, he, he plays um, a cool character, master character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't include really any of his um, filmography. It's super lengthy. It's the same as oh, like, yeah. Jackie Chan's. Um, well, I'll, I'll pull up some real quick. Uh, I mean, he's in like Aces Go Places, Meals on Wheels. Um, we could just rattle off like <laughs> every Jackie Chan film. Um, yep. When it's with him, uh, him and uh, Yin Biao. Yeah. Um, I've always been impressed because he's, he's a quite a bigger he's a yeah he's a bigger bigger gentleman for especially for martial artists and Mm -hmm. i guess chinese people tend to be slimmer but he moves man this guy's got some sweet moves for for his rounder figure Uh, yeah it's really cool to see him in action it's really impressive yeah um in oh here in um 1978 he even had a, a go at the um uh bruce lee um style film and he was in uh 
the, the, the titular character of Enter the Fat Dragon. Yeah, I, ju- I just saw that. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad there's a spoof of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. A notable uh, Magnificent Butcher. Um, that's a really good one where he's the lead um, from 1979. And uh, I think one, I one of my favorites, uh, Dragons, Dragons Forever. Yeah. With Jackie Chan. Uh, that was another good one that I enjoyed him in. Yeah, he's in. Um, oh, he's in the uh, Project A series or the, the the films, not not the actual TV series. Um, yeah, it's it's just such an extensive <laughs> filmography. I'm oh, just yeah. scrolling been around through. Forever. Uh, oh, um, he did um, Martial Law, the uh, the uh, TV series um, that ran from '98 to 2000 um, in the U.S. I imagine. Okay, cool. um, worldwide too um and he played that character previously or no he's a reprisal of the character um on an episode of walker texas ranger (laughs) (laughs) hilarious yeah um oh he's also he's the the main baddie in um the first uh, chapolong kill zone film and oh he's in 14 blades um yeah i mean these guys all they work together um so often uh it's good good uh good actor you yeah, know uh, yeah, i really liked him in this role it's cool to see him playing a more wiser character matured character and but still kicking some trash mm-hmm. he uh, did for yeah, sure and, in this one yeah then we have yeah. uh Wang, this is uh, Wang Xiaoming. Um, Wang was uh, Ip Man's first student, um, uh, and I guess it's not really. He kind of sort of moves the plot along. He's the one that uh, decides to challenge the um, Hungar school. He's kind of putting up posters um, outside the school, saying that yeah. people should go to um, Ip Man's school instead. Yeah, that this is where I got confused with the mm. second one because it seemed like the, the second and third one because the third one, yeah, they're a blur. But yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> there's some cool fight scenes with that though that leads into. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's also I think a thing that they both have sort of warehouse slash market big uh, fight scene set pieces. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it moves from the second one being more fighting with other Chinese gangs of sorts based around the martial art clubs Mm -hmm. to fighting against gang, actual gangs. Yeah. In the uh, third one. Yeah. And that's where I got my, my wires crossed. Yeah. It's okay. I was going to kind of, I watched them all on the same day. I think I just backed them all three films. I was like, I don't remember what's going on. Um, So uh, Huang Xiaoming, he, he, plays in um the guillotines in 2012 and then um in badges of fury in 2013 that's a spoof uh with jet lee of like a lot of other jet lee movies they just kind of make fun of uh his other older films oh that looks hilarious it was um <laughs> i bought it and i thought it was going to be better than it was it's not super great <laughs> it's it's oh, all right okay. I mean, if you can find it for free, you can watch it. <laughs> pay good money for that one. I mean, yes, go buy the movie. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if it's trying to play on the Fist of Fury that or Legend of 
Legion of the Fist. That a little bit. I mean, Jimmy he's. Um, I don't remember what his character. He's making fun of uh, Wong Fei Hung. It's like Huang uh. Hung or something. Uh, Jet Li's character is anyway. It's a, it was it was all right. It was a, just you know, it was a silly movie. Um. Let's see. Then oh, uh, we do ha- again have um, Fan Su Wong, um, and he's one of the. Uh, I guess he's kind of a boss of one of the other parts of the market, and thinks he's has more influence than he does because uh, Samuel Hung's character comes up and kind of sets him straight <laughs> about who the boss is of the markets. Yeah, but again, it was cool to see him come back in as uh, a friend of Ipma yeah. rather than just someone who's trying to fight him. Yeah, no, he's trying to back him up. It was good. Yeah, um, and was willing to put everything on the line virtually for Batman because of the respect he had for him. Yeah. And then, mm. uh, oh, we have our, uh, our big, our big bad here. Um, Taylor Miller, the twister. Oh yeah. This guy's a jerk. <laughs> white people. Stupid English dudes. Yeah. And, uh, he's, uh, portrayed by, uh, Darren Chalavi. I'll just go with that. It's, <laughs> I'm not butchering it. Um, he was in... He has a, kind of a... It's not a large filmography, but he was in um, the Mortal Kombat Legacy um, TV series, I guess web, web TV series that came out in 2011. <laughs> Didn't know that there was a thing. <laughs> it's good. I, I recommend watching that. Those are... Um, they kind of kick-started Mortal Kombat back up again. Um, has a... You know, it's quite, quite a few um, notable names in that one um he's in pound of flesh um 2015 that was with uh john claude van damme and speaking of jean claude he's in kickboxer vengeance um that came out last year uh unfortunately that was his last role um he passed away in uh, 2015 of a heart attack in his sleep i believe oh really yeah he didn't seem old enough for that no he was like 42 Yeah, no good. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, that, I don't like him uh, in this movie. Yeah, no, um, he's <laughs> a guy you love to hate. Um, he pretty much always yes. plays a bad guy. I guess um, in, in Mortal Kombat Legacy, he, he plays Kano. So, again, a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's that's, actually... I guess that's all for the major cast. Yeah, um, I guess more more unfortunately, um, his his turn to be the good guy um, in Kickboxer Vengeance um, was cut short for the sequel since he uh, passed away and wasn't able to reprise his character of um, uh, was it Sloan. He's the, the main guy in Kickboxer. <laughs> I didn't even know Van Damme was still making movies, to be honest. He's still making them. He's turning them out. He's... He's getting up there with uh, a couple of the other guys that are like knocking out all. They're just you know after Expendables, everyone's started doing movies again. Yeah, um, it, I got a four point nine that kickboxer one out of ten. So yeah, um, it was on my queue and then I took it off. I might just go back and watch it at least a little bit um, just to check out uh, his last uh, role and see if it's any good. It has. Um, 
Uh, why can't I think of his name? He plays Tong Po in the new movie. It's um, Batista. Dave Batista is the bad guy. Yeah, big dude. Big dude, yes. <laughs> There's Van Damme. I'm just watching the trailer of the Kickbox Avenger. Yeah, Revengeance, he's, it's called. he's getting old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I just, um, uh, Bolo Young, um, who was in, he was the bad guy in Bloodsport with Van Damme. Um, he was just in a movie a few years ago and man, he, he definitely got old and way smaller, <laughs> but that's a lot to keep up. I mean, wouldn't expect oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger now, he's still a big guy, but just yeah it's not the same (laughs) yeah you can't you can't keep that muscle mass forever Mm, no not without a lot of extra help no that's why it's better to do like jackie chan lean and lean and keen yeah and i mean jackie chan was never like he's not a super small guy he's still pretty 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 tanked up he wasn't huge but he's pretty big for well he's he's more cut and toned rather than 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 bulk Yeah. All right. Um, Meet Month Three. The it's a little bit slimmer on the, the uh, notable cast for this one. Um, so we have uh, Jin Zhang who plays Chung Tinchi, the um, opposing uh, Wing Chun um, opposer for the Grandmaster title. I guess would be his role. Yeah, they should just work together. Yeah, I mean, they kind of did. <laughs> yeah, they did at one at one point. Yeah, but it was just um, it's kind yeah. of frustrating. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll get into that a little bit later. So, who who does he play in Grandmaster? That's his uh, more recent film. Let's look. I didn't even. Uh, I, I just noted that he was in it. Um, because that's what I was going to ask you. How does Grandmaster actually fit in with? I don't know. I didn't see it. <laughs> I have to watch it still. Yeah. Oh, uh, dang it. Because... It wasn't on the list. Yeah. Um, he is... Masan. I don't know who that is because I didn't see the movie. <laughs> All right. So, but this does tie in with Ip Man's story, doesn't it? The yes. Um, I think it. it's... It's a, maybe it's split in half again, where it's like young Yitman and then old Yitman. Okay, so it's a retelling rather than a continuation of. Yeah, it's not a continuation. Um, just looking at the synopsis does not help at all. Uh, <laughs> all right, it's we'll just retelling. It's retelling the first movie, I think. Okay. Yep. We'll cover that yeah. eventually. And so um, he was also in Rise of Legend, which I also have not watched. Uh, I've watched the first few, mo- few, few movies, few um, minutes of it. It looks really good. I just was, I don't know, busy doing something else. So that's um, 2014. It's a recent one. That um, that one's more brutal, very bloody um, in the first few minutes. Interesting. Yeah, it covers the tale of Wolf, uh, Wong Fei Hung. Mm-hmm. Which we encountered earlier in Drunken Master. Yes. And then um, Jin, Jin Zhang is also in um, Chapalong 2. Again, as in 
most of these other guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then our um, the next guy I listed. Oh, I, I had a lot of fun listing um, listing this dude. Yes, <laughs> um, Tatslao. He portrays the principal um, uh, the, of the school um, in Yipman Three, and we most recently watched him in Gorgeous. He was Jackie Chan's assistant. Oh and, yeah. Cool. And, I like uh, seeing these guys pop up again. Yeah, no, it's really nice, especially <laughs> when it's you know um, so much later. Um, he's in So Close in two thousand two. Uh, that's it's a more modern um, assassin kind of a bank heist movie. If that wasn't a bank heist, anyway, it's an assassin sort of movie, and uh, that one a lot of kung fu in there. Um, then he's in Fatal Contact uh, in two thousand six. He doesn't have a cup doesn't have a lot of other roles. Um, he's also a, a composer, so I think he's almost more notable for doing music than yes. Um, Google Google has him as a musician, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. But he's not a martial artist, though, is he? He is more of the actor. Uh, yeah, he's just a character actor. He plays similar characters, sort of kind of foppish guys um, in most yep. of his roles. Cool. And then we have Bruce Lee. We have Bruce Lee. He showed up. He showed up at the very end of the um, first movie as a child, like a 10-year-old. Yeah, it was cool that um, that was there. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a bit cheesy oh, that no, they kind of had him. Uh, where he turns up? Yeah, I think it was the end of the second movie. Because he's in Hong Kong. Yeah, he, he he's appears twice in the movie. He appears early on. I think it might be the third one, actually. Well, he appears at the very end of the second one as a kid. He's like 10 years old. Oh, I see. I get you. um, He tells him to come back. He's like, come back when you're older. Because he appears at the start. He appears at the start of the third one. Yeah. And he he just, uh, Ip Man opens the door and he leaves. And then at the end, uh, Ip Man goes to him to ask him how to teach him how to dance. And. Um, Bruce Lee asks, says to him, why, you know, why, did, why didn't you teach me? And he said, I was wanting to, wanting to teach you, but I opened the door and you walked out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um, and it, Cause that, that is true that Bruce Lee started with, uh, as a dancer, didn't he? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's a job. Um, he also did, yeah, I, he did martial arts prior to. Yeah. I'd forgotten and... that. I'd forgotten that. Um, and that was kind of interesting. I hope that's true. That that's how they kind of reconnected again. That's how he taught Ip Man how to dance, and Ip Man taught him how, taught him um, kung fu. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would this, be pretty this. cool. I um I don't know how much um this is how blended is. Faction, uh, fact and fiction um to make it more uh, fun, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it was a little cheesy just to make it like iconic. He, the guy kept doing the Bruce Lee nose wipe. For no, yeah, no, I felt like no that reason. was too much. For some... <laughs> it was oh, no. It was hand fisted a little. Yeah, he's like you just can't stop doing that. Yeah, but yeah. I thought yeah, that was a bit a bit cheesy, but yeah, interesting to see him there. Yeah, and I mean, he, um, the actor, you know, he, he they they picked a good dude. He vaguely resembles um, Bruce Lee. This is um, Chang Kwan. And um, he has a pretty good filmography too. He's in uh, Shaolin Soccer in two thousand one, 
Um, then a personal favorite of mine, um, it's called Era of Vampires in Chinese, but the Western release is Vampire Hunters um, by Sui Hark um, in 2003. Um, then he's in Kung Fu Hustle, so another Stephen Chow movie in 2004. And then I think his, his probably claim to fame is um, the TV series Legend of Bruce Lee in 2008. Um, it's eight episodes, I believe. Ooh. So he first portrayed him there. Okay, so it's, yeah, cool. Uh, and then he's in Badger's of Fury, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because um, I've seen, because obviously that's telling the life of Bruce Lee, I'm assuming, the legend of Bruce Lee. Uh, I imagine. I didn't see it. Because <laughs> I've only seen um, the the film version that was done years and years and uh, years ago. Dragon, Bruce Lee story? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that was with... Um... Oh man, <laughs> remember his name now? Jason Scott Lee is uh, okay. he portrays Bruce Lee in that one. Yeah. Um, slightly, I guess, tangentially related. Um, he was in most recently, um, the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, he's the bad huh? guy in that one. Uh, Jason Scott Lee is. Okay. He got huge. He's like a huge bald dude now. Sweet. Yeah, he looks like Dave Bautista. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's that big. I don't think he's that big, but he's, you know, comparable. Yeah, interesting. And then I guess last but not least, we have Frank. <laughs> yes, everyone's uh, favorite Mike Tyson. <laughs> You, you forgot to put the hangover in his film. Uh, you know, I didn't. Because there's no martial arts in the hangover. What am I going to do with that? You punch <laughs> sure somebody. Is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've ever um, seen that film. Well, he plays himself. Uh, right, that was a big true. thing. It's the filmography. He doesn't do other roles. He just plays Mike Tyson in everything. Um, he was also yeah. himself in um, Rocky Balboa. Like, Rocky number, was it five? Um, okay. And then he is, uh, to connect a little bit more, he's in the upcoming Kickboxer Retaliation in uh, next year's Kickboxer movie. Heck. Might have kickboxing names have dumb sub-names yeah. turning into my games. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's the sequel to... Um, vengeance, whatever it was. Yeah, vengeance, Kickboxer Vengeance, <laughs> then Retaliation. It's turning into those generic names like video games are. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a direct-to-video movie. It's not like it didn't go to the theater that I'm aware of. Yeah. Oh, well, Mike Tyson. I don't know how many um, big black boxes with space tattoos were around. And, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Like, I was I'm wondering... Wrong. Like, if that was part of the contract where it's like, you're not going to hide my tattoo. <laughs> I'm Mike Tyson. Uh, yeah. I don't mean to but, mock Mike Tyson. I'm not mocking him. He's great. Yeah, because he'll come beat you up. I know. <laughs> he'll find me. I think he's in Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> he did all right. Like, he played the role he needed to be. Big, scary, kingpin character. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a good fight scene, too. I mean... It's interesting. I always like to see the brawn versus the speed. And this was uh, a, it, like a big example of that. This was far more than uh, Mr. Twister in the second one. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, to be honest, I yeah, I, I don't know if I like the Twister fight. Because I think 
I don't know how it went down in history or if it is a real fight in history, but it just it felt like that the Wing Chun would waste a boxer. Boxers <laughs> from back then were very good compared to fighters. Yeah, I mean, I was aside from um, uh, Sammo Hung's character being like ill, um, Sammo Hung's a big dude. And I, th- I think his punches probably would have done a little bit more than they were doing. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I think that was a big part of this, um, the contrast with the Mike Tyson fight is um, the same thing. Donnie Yen's not a small guy, but Mike Tyson's huge. Uh, he's just forget how big he is. Yeah. I think he's bigger now than when he was boxing. Probably. Yeah. Because we learned that old old boxing's terrible from um, was it Bloodsport, <laughs> the Van Damme film? Like, yeah. was that the one where they travel to like to the crazy martial art fighting in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, and they get yeah, rid of in, the uh, useless. Thailand. Yeah, they get rid of the useless boxer who would just die if he fought anyone else. Yeah, but oh well, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so that uh, that wraps up our our notable cast, I think. So we could probably dig into the the, the plot that we haven't really we kind of covered. Do you... What is the plot? There's so many plots the, in this one. That's the question. Um, Ten thousand dollar question. Um, well, we kind of covered the first one. So the first film is Ipman going from like an established position to kind of losing everything um, when the Japanese invade and just maintaining, you know, trying to keep his family safe well, and, and alive. But... Yeah. But I mean, he has his, um, he's cementing uh, his sort of notoriety or legend or, what have you, but it's really just kind of in Foshan. Um, outside of that, he's not really well known. No, um, at, the, at in the, in the time of the first film, anyway. Yeah, and it's, it, I like how it's portrayed because he goes from this is a guy that comes from wealth, like he has money to burn. They make that clear. He like just gives his friend money to open up a cotton mill factory at the beginning of the film and he loses everything when the Japanese come to occupy and he, he he's probably never had to work a day in his life except for his, his martial arts training. But yeah, he's happy to go shovel coal to earn enough rice to, to keep his wife alive. Um, which is, yeah, huge sign of um, character, I guess. And it, it makes it more than just a Kung Fu film. It makes it, yeah, it's, as that first review that we read to said, you know, it's got everything in there. It's got sadness. It's got, you know, it's got comedy. Um, yeah. Dark times. Wouldn't be more fun to live in then. Not, you know, not at all. Yeah, no, no, not, not really. <laughs> um, and it's nice to see that uh, the, the character as he's portrayed is like incredibly like humble. Like, yes. there's very few moments where he decides to, like, utterly step up and basically school somebody um, in Wing Chun. Um, well, yeah, he was I mean, the best in his town. Yeah. He was the best in his town, but he, he still would fight people in private who challenged him. So they didn't, 
he didn't have to um, dishonor them or that they, the word didn't get out that they were. Yeah, it's for them to save face. I mean, like yeah. publicly. So, yeah, there was no, he never saw a need to like humiliate anyone. Um, I mean, he might do that like accidentally just because he's crushing them in a, a fight, but um, he wouldn't speak bad about somebody outside of that or in public. No. Um, and I get, we alluded to before about the the other uh, master. So once things go go to the crapper, when the the Japanese take over, all these martial artists are now forced to just work manual labor. Um, but the Japanese are recruiting uh, martial artists to fight for for sport, uh, for the entertainment of the Japanese general in the region. Um, and that's since when Itman doesn't want to do it, but then his a friend of his who we talked about who got killed um yeah, doesn't come back yeah they don't they don't come back he doesn't come back uh from working so he goes uh he he go he volunteers to go fight because he wants to find out what's happening to his friends why why are they going off to fight and not coming back um and then he sees his uh one of his fellow masters get just shot in cold blood um yeah which we talked about earlier and so then he opens a he opens a can of whoop ass like like 10 of them <laughs> yeah um it's not even a fight scene it's it's kind of just a beat down um mm. this is one of the few times where he does this he's, he's angry and everything he does is like breaking bones or just crushing someone or hitting them 45 times in the face uh, when they're on well, the ground. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's kind of, I, these, these are very brutal scenes, but they're also they're kind of fascinating to watch because it's, it's pure efficiency um, yes. in, in his movements. Like he will de- uh, disable someone with the least amount of effort possible to continue. So he can continue on fighting the, the rest of the nine and then eight, then seven. Uh, <laughs> and then the last uh, guy who's like, he can't run away, but he probably wants to. <laughs> He's just kind of backing away, and then he just he just gets crushed. Yeah. Uh, and obviously this impresses the general, because he took out 10 of it, some of their best fighters. Uh, and then what I like here is that he takes the bag of rice that his uh, fellow master was killed over and takes it takes it to his family to the to that that uh his family yeah uh, they i mean they were going to give him, him like 10 bags of rice and he just took the one um and he he doesn't he doesn't keep it for himself doesn't he he takes the bag for the master and takes it to the family of yeah, the master because that's that's what you know master Liu, um gave his life for that that rice I mean, whether and that, he, and that's know, that's cool Mm-hmm. It would be hard to take that sad news, but he also knows that family needs the rice. But also, they need to know what happened to their father and husband, where they wouldn't know otherwise. Yeah, he just left and didn't come back. Yeah. Um, so, very sad. Very yeah. sad. But some quite scenes in there. So let's jump backwards slightly. Um, talk oh, yeah. super briefly about the um, uh, Jin San Zhao um, fight. So oh, yeah. this is the challenger he's gone through and he's like beaten all the other large schools in Foshan um, quite, quite handily. I mean, he, he uses a very like aggressive style and he's just kind of crushing everyone. Um, it, but it's a very brawler style, isn't it? It's like yeah. very up, up front. 
and um, so it's a northern fighting style. And he uh, he hears, I guess, through the through word of mouth that um, he hasn't beaten the best of Foshan. That's Ibman. So he goes to um, Ibman's house to, to challenge him. And, and a great um, scene happens. <laughs> yeah, and well, I think the beginning of it's good too. Just uh, before the fight even happens, there's there's this tension, and Yitman's like not really gonna fight him. He's doing whatever he can to kind of get out of the battle because he didn't see a re- reason to do it. Um, yeah. But uh, he also um, doesn't want to upset his wife. With yeah, Lula, well, earlier she's yeah, getting fed up with this fighting. <laughs> She's getting fed up with all this fighting. <laughs> yeah. Well, she kept telling him, you know, what do you, you're supposed to, you know, spend time with your son, but you're wasting time, you know, teaching other people or fighting or, you know, doing the things other than what you're supposed to do at home. Um, but uh, Jin Sun Zhao, um, like, insults, like, the house and his wife, basically. And so the um, uh, Chu Wen Sing um, basically gives him leave, you know, to to clean up the the rabble that's uh, in their house as long as um, they don't break anything. <laughs> Which they do. They do. And it's a very expensive, like it's a lavish, you know, it's just not a, this is like an upscale, you almost call it a mansion. Yeah. It's, you got your classic Chinese vases and, and jade all over the place and hand-carved chairs that have been cut or smashed and yeah, the funny thing is, is that um, this guy he keeps saying that he breaks something, and he's like, "I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay." <laughs> yeah, he just wants to keep fighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, this is when I think uh, man probably gets a little fed up, and this is a time where he does embarrass him. But again, it's behind closed doors. But he he proves without a shadow of a doubt that he is better because he beats him with a. Uh, a feather duster. Yeah, I don't even think it was a feather duster. It was just a decoration that he pulled the uh, feathers off of. Yeah, well, something. It was like, yeah. yeah. A, like a, a a cane of some sort yeah. with, yeah. And this other guy's got a full sword, doesn't he? A broadsword yeah. type. Mm-hmm. Um, Asian broadsword. Um, Chinese broadsword. Yeah, and it's hilarious. And the great thing is, is... Smacking him in the this, butt and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, the, he brings it up in the next movie when he says, like, he even beat me with a with a cane or whatever it was. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, very, very good example of um, uh, Wing, Wing Chun. And it's, yeah, it's, it's amazingly fast how they, these guys move. And it's like in, the, in these in these fight scenes, like it's so well choreographed that, that you just can't keep up with how quickly they're actually attacking and blocking and moving. It's, yeah, very impressive. Yeah, um, this cinematography is really good. There's not a lot of like Jason Bourne style jump cuts. They they kind of pan the camera around a lot, so you're really getting a good uh, feel for good, yeah. what these guys can do. Um, and yeah, there's a little bit of wire work involved um, a couple times, even for uh, Dunny Yen. There's a few times where he like, well, they do it often actually. He'll fall backwards or lean backwards and then kind of jump back up, and it's like, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> the wire's yeah, yeah. pulling you up. But I may be wrong, but it seems like that was more in the first half. The second half seemed to be a bit more grounded and just and more gritty. And I, I wonder if that was on purpose to portray kind of the, the first half was more whimsical and fairy tale like compared yeah. to the second half, which is a gritty and dark, as I've mentioned. 
because I can't remember that happening as much in the second half. The no, it happens like more... um, in the last fight scene, like maybe once or twice uh, when he's about to fall yeah. off the edge of the arena. He uh, yeah, yeah. pulls himself up in a way you can't do with yeah. your feet. To be a bit more dramatic, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's true. Uh, but yeah. I guess, well, I guess to sum up the film is basically he gets challenged to fight, doesn't he? Yes. Um, he, uh, he refuses. Um, but he he gets fed up with the, the way the Japanese are doing things and decides that he can stand up to them one way or another. Um, and, and does. <laughs> yeah. The, I can't um... actually got... Go ahead. This fight was quite quick, wasn't it? it uh, I don't remember much to it. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that the titular showdown is like probably the fastest fight in the film. Yeah. Um, he he summarily dispatches Miura. Basically uses him as a punching bag uh, the whole time. I think, well, I mean, I think uh, Miura gets a couple hits in, but he gets backed up against a post and then just beaten up. <laughs> like chain punches to the face uh, yeah. a lot. Um, and but of course they can't. The Japanese can't. Uh, occu- the ones occupying can't stand that a Chinese person beat their general, so he gets shot, which starts a, a riot. Um, yeah, and he gets. But we we luckily we know he lives, so he doesn't die. <laughs> now he appears in uh, two more films at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not the sixth sense because he's not a ghost. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> But yeah, it's interesting. And I guess that's why he's become such a famous character. One, he taught some of our famous martial art martial artists in, our, in recent history, but he also has come, like, kind of become an icon of... Hero. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fighting for against those who oppose uh, the, the country mm-hmm. and, and the people of China. So, I, it's a great film. Uh, I reckon it's... It, yeah, it, it tells its story well. Uh, it's simple, but it portrays a cool character. Uh, it might be fanciful. It might be over the top um, and exaggerating some of the things that happened. But yeah, it's 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 an awesome film. <laughs> yeah, um, and this did really well, um, both uh, domestically in China and um, overseas internationally did excellent. Uh, 94 was the rating on IMDb. Yeah, I would uh I would say it's a little low. <laughs> um yeah. Uh I can't remember what it's on Metacritic though. I can quickly check. Uh Rotten Tomatoes have it as eighty four. Uh audience scored it at ninety three and yeah, with critics with it comes in. Yeah, I mean uh, I think it's the tonal shift between the first half and the second half probably throws people off. It is, as I say, like earlier, it's like, it's almost like watching two different films. Mm. But I kind of like that because it has that contrast. You, you wouldn't understand the, the the dire situation he was in. Yeah, without showing if, a little bit of their life before. Yeah, like you know where he's come from, but yet he he just just such an iron will to keep going whereas lesser people would have just given up whereas he just kept making something of his life no matter what situation he was in 
uh, just you know forcefully uh, steadfastly moving it forward and trying to achieve things and then also trying to help those around him like he, it wasn't just selfish endeavors he had it was he always looked out for those that he was responsible for yeah oh, uh, i mean is, that's a, that's really a cool. theme we see um throughout the uh current trilogy i mean it's his self-sacrifice for the betterment of the community um at times is more than what he's putting into you know his own family yeah and and that's what i mentioned earlier with the with his wife the shift and she realizes that she has to share her husband uh with the people i guess to put yeah. it simply um because he means so much to them and yeah and so i kind of like that she can respect what he has done for her and for the, the community enough to sacrifice time with them. Yeah. I guess oh. that, go ahead. Yeah, go. I was just going to say that takes us nice into the second film, I guess, because that's yeah. kind of the plot of the second film <laughs> <laughs> and a third. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even more so the third. I think that that cements it. Yes. Yes. I agree. Um, but yeah. What were you going to say? I don't remember. <laughs> it was the same, basically the same thing. I was just saying that uh, um, he he also grows as a character. I mean, he, he you know he does realize that he needs to put more time into his family, and he he does do that to, to at least some extent. Yes, I, I I like that that contrast with within the third film. Um, that happens. Mm. Uh, yeah yeah so that I think that brings us to Yipman 2 yeah it does and this is as we as we mentioned he uh was shot and uh was rushed out by his friend who he gave i mentioned earlier who he gave a, a wad of cash to open up a cotton mill uh helps whisk him away with his family out of uh that region and they end up in hong kong and i guess Again, it's we've still got this uh that I guess the people fighting against occupation, but we've moved on from the Japanese to the British. Yeah. So this is set um four years after um World War Two. It's in um, nineteen forty nine, I mean Hong Kong like and if- Hong Kong's become a um uh what's that even a, it's a protectorate um under British rule. Um, it's, I guess it's not as violent as of the Japanese rule, but there is corrupt people taking advantage of the situation, and and that's kind of the theme um, of of the of the film, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he tries to start up his school um, and gets a few students. Yeah, what is where is it? It's like on top of like a building, like. It's yeah, weird. it's um, it's the roof, roof of his uh, home. Of the, is it the newspaper? Like his friend owns a, another friend of his owns a newspaper, and is that on the roof of the newspaper? or Is it somewhere else? I don't know. I, I lost it's track. Somewhere else. Uh, they they shift locations a lot, so yeah, they do. Um, but I guess it's really the base. The, the again is there is a, a sort of a a shift. In this film as well, it starts off more his focus on getting his school, mm-hmm. um, and then fighting against 
other, I guess, other Chinese, other locals, other Kung Fu masters to prove himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's, he's it, setting up his school, but then the, the Hong Kong, um, martial arts community i guess has specific rules where you have to pay dues um both i think as a form of proof of mastery and in the form of money yes and Ipman's happy to pay uh pay his dues in his skills but not in money you know i love that about him (laughs) well it was like an exorbitantly you know overpriced due (laughs) yeah i don't i don't remember what they said it was but it was it was a lot of money i think it was like 200 yeah yeah um but yeah it's a cool kind of fight scene it's a little ridiculous a little over the top but basically they go to um it's like a tea house kind of thing where all the masters are sitting around and there's all these stools upturned and in the center there's a a, a round table and basically uh Ipman has to fight as long as an incense stick is burning against anyone who will challenge him and if he loses he can't become a master. And I must say that this requirement and entry to the the Grand Master Club is very exclusive because that'd be quite a challenge. You have to oh, be like, yeah. uh, and I guess that's the point to I mean, restrict. It's it's like prohibitive. I mean, yeah. If you had to sit there and every single person decided to challenge you, I mean, after a while, yeah, it doesn't matter really who you are, you're going to get worn out. Because each yeah. person fighting you is fresh. Exactly. So it's it, it seems like a challenge set up to keep people out. It's like the boys club. Yeah. The elite club. But it, man, is so good he beats them. <laughs> he does. And um, as the viewer, we're treated to uh, multiple um, martial arts styles. So we get uh, a praying mantis, like a southern praying mantis oh, style. Yeah. Um, what were the other ones? I only remember the praying mantis guy now. <laughs> there were was it, oh, it was only three in the end, wasn't it? Before time oh, ran out, um, there was there's a bakwa guy. So that's the guy that walks in like a circle. Oh yep, yep. And then and then, um, then we get Hungar, which is uh, Semohung. the boss. Semohung, yep. Hung fist. <laughs> and yeah again we see the the way he moves and yeah it's a cool fight it's exaggerated there's definitely strings involved people can't actually land on stool legs at that speed or jump <laughs> up the stool like they they jump from the ground over like i don't know what like three meters and then land on a table yeah yeah it's yeah and the table's not actually it's just like a big round circle like resting on a smaller table yeah so it's like horribly unsteady and they're you know yeah. doing the whole balance thing it's it's a lot of fun to watch but you're like it's not uh not realistic in any kind of no. way shape or form uh, and we've talked about it before it's kind of like an exaggeration of reality to kind of because legends get bigger than they were the retelling yeah. gets grander every time and i think that's in, in, intentional in this case and very well filmed like some of those things will still be really hard to pull off even though they do have assistance with uh with strings and, and stuff like yeah still very impressive oh yeah i mean they're still doing all their specific Crazy techniques stuff. and stuff and it's it's really it was a lot of fun yeah um i mentioned this thing before we started recording this is the same kind of story arc that bruce lee kind of had to go through wasn't mm-hmm. it about teaching kung fu because he wasn't allowed to teach it to to, to non-chinese yeah 
yeah and yeah so it's interesting yeah to seeing that his master went through that same thing potentially if it's true it probably is this part i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> yeah um but yeah then we kind of as i say it was t- it's kind of another movie of two halves the second half of the movie is because kind of showing the oppression that some of these corrupt english uh police officers have over and they um or- organize boxing events but basically take all the profit and forcing the chi- um the chinese martial artists to do it for free pretty much and, and abusing yeah. their power well it's like an ex- it's an uh, exhibition match um just further showing that not only is um uh Great Britain, the uh, military, you know, strength in the world. This is the height of their colonial powers, but um, that their that their martial arts is better um, than Chinese traditional martial arts. Their box, yeah. their Western boxing is stronger. What's interesting here, though, is that it, it just I get the impression that the general power, like the controlling powers, are portrayed not to be. Um, I, I guess violent about it. They just have a bit, maybe a bit of arrogance about the power of the English Empire, as you say. It's it's this lower down guy. It's a bad apple amongst the rest. Like they, yeah, they, they well, don't really I mean, portray the English as bad, like the Japanese were. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, they're not the same level, but the colonialism itself and how they're portrayed is probably it's fairly accurate. Yeah. I mean, it's that idea um, of the uppers, they, they don't really care what's going on down on the ground as long as they're getting the gold um, from China. Yeah. They're yeah. all about, like, the money and the resources. Exactly. That's yeah. all they want. They're just, they want to take that from, you know, these areas. And the people on the ground want their, you know, their fair share of it to them. Yeah. So they're just willing to do whatever to line their own pockets. Yes. Um, so, I mean, on multiple levels, this is not a good situation. Um, no, it just looks a lot worse on the ground level um, than on the international stage. Yep. Um, I guess I can't think actually what really happens. We've kind of covered a few of their things. <clears throat> and when we're talking about the cast, it really just leads down to uh, this exhibition fight where this English twister fella, who we don't like, um ends up challenging the some of the the kung fu uh fighters yeah i mean he he like specifically says that you know all your your you guys are weak and you're you're no match for my western boxing and then he just starts like beating people up and yeah the way, and he I, kills he kills someone so. well, he kills um uh i've got the character's name uh, <laughs> I'm terrible with this game. Yeah, it's one of the, the students. Master Hung. No, he kills Master Master Hung. Does he? Does he? Oh yeah, he does kill he, him. He 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 seriously injures one of the students. Yeah, and that's why and that's Master why Hung gets Hung angry. Stepped in, mm-hmm. but he already had um, like a, um, a health condition prior to the fight, and he wasn't really. They were trying to give him the medicine, and he can't breathe, so he's operating under like a large handicap and um yeah it's, it's just the fight's just too much for him 
Yeah, well, and he refuses to to yield. He was he was he was fighting out of honor because he was angry that this white devil. Um, <laughs> that's what they call him, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. White devil. Yeah, white devil. Um, maybe in the English translation, that's what it was. Uh, but yeah, he he's trying to like stand up to him because he's insulted and, and, and angry. So he's fighting for honor and he, so he just keeps getting back up when he should just sit down and Twister is an idiot and just keeps punching him and pretty much, yeah, murders him in the ring. Um, so yeah, not cool. That's why we don't like Mr. Twister. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so they have, like, the, they hold the funeral, um, and then uh, Yip Man ends up challenging um, Twister because the uh, the English don't want the sour taste of that death, like, looking like it's their fault. So they open yeah, they the whole... Yeah, PR cover-up. Yeah, basically, they open <laughs> all of the challenge to anybody can come in and fight um, Twister. So Yip Man steps up and uh, steps into the ring. Yeah, uh, and this is what I mentioned earlier. I, I kind of don't like how badly a man gets hurt in this because I honestly think he, you know, I think they did it for a dramatic effect, but I, in reality, I think a man would just destroy the guy. <laughs> he is bigger and stronger, maybe, but the, the yeah. yeah he, I mean, he was big, um, but like I said, the same thing. Um, Samuel Hung's not a not a small dude, and he was doing fine against him. And the ten other dudes that he fought at one time—I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Well, once he started getting well, was uh, what did he was it in this one? I think it's this one where he's using um some of the uh, Master Hung's techniques. Yes, he adapts, doesn't he? Yeah, so he's he's kind of like doing that respect showing. Um, to, to, to Master Hung or it's not really to him but it's like it's giving him respect by using his techniques to defeat um, Twister yeah uh, but yeah it's it's very satisfying when he does beat him but again uh, it man has stood up to the I guess the man the oppression <laughs> uh, and has become a hero of China once again well at least the, the region that he's in that people know of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and this, this is more publicized than the Japanese situation because it's all on radio and it's been covered by newspapers and, and whatnot. Uh, and I can't remember his wife is happy for him to go fight. She's scared for him, but she's happy for him to go fight at this point, isn't he? She's cause she kind of can see how important it is for him. And I guess the people and the yeah, martial well, arts. I mean, he's representing really. China at this point, yeah. or at least Chinese traditional martial arts, but yeah. also China. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, everyone's on the, you know, they're listening to the radio and they're all just cheering and, you know, they're waiting, trying to listen to the fight and stuff. So it's, um, the, 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 the camera cuts between the fight and then whoever's, you know, um, spectating via radio. Yeah. This, this reminds me of, um, Cool Runnings, <laughs> a slightly more morbid version of it, but yeah, <laughs> a darker version of Cool Runnings. That uh, scene, yeah, right, yeah, the back home watching and listening. But yeah, uh, 
this it was a good film. It's not as good as the first one. It's not. Mm. Um, yeah, this is more. It's a quicker film. It feels like. Yes. It's like. I don't remember a whole lot of the middle, and I was like, oh, there's the boxing match at the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think that's what we really need to cover. There was a little bit in between. Um, there's some cool cool times when uh, he was asked, can you really fight 10? Or is that the third one? See, that's a problem. <laughs> I think it's number three. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> but they may I have mentioned know. it in number two. Yeah, they may have mentioned it. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he. there's some big fight scenes in the fish market, um, but we've mentioned those. Some, uh, some more... Uh, acrobatic kind of fighting where he's got a, a more evasive fighting because he's fighting so many people, which is always entertaining. Yeah, there's uh, more um, weapon work in this movie. It's yes, great. You're right. Yeah, you no, know, this is where he yeah. grabs the two meat cleavers and he turns them to the blunt end, and then he's just oh like, yeah, that was beating cool. the crap out of people. <laughs> with the yeah, like slapping meat them cleavers, them. slapping them with the flat side of it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like he will fight and he will hurt people, but he he's. He, these people will, will are trying to kill him. They're trying to kill but, him, and he's like never done that to anyone else. Yeah, he's like the Batman of Kung Fu. <laughs> the, uh, well, I think we got our title. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some really cool scenes in here. It's still a well filmed movie. Uh, it's it is good, but it is a simpler plot, uh, and the bad guy is just lame. Twist is just an egg. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that wraps number two up. Yeah, I'm happy with that. But I guess that I can use the my not remembering what parts from what film is the third one. <laughs> <laughs> he gets asked, "Can you really defeat ten men?" Yes. Uh, and yeah. he he just kind of smiles humbly and kind of agrees, "Yes, he can." Uh, he has. And then he gets asked, "What if they have weapons?" And then he just says, "You, I, you run." Pretty yeah, much. Like, just, just run. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and we know in the second one that's not what he did. He he fought and he did well. Uh, but yeah, as as you've said, you said earlier, he's a very humble man. He's 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 not bragging, though he has the right to brag. He's earned that right, but he's not going around bragging, um, which is kind of cool. Um, it's the third one. Number what? Who's three. the big man in this one? We've got, we've got Mike Tyson's the big man in this one. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he's the big man, but uh, the the final battle is uh, Chung Jin Chi. Again, this film has like two kind of sections. Yeah. Well, uh, because like, they actually, the, the... this one ha- probably has the best story as far as they're doing a specific plot that goes through the whole movie. Agree, agree. Um, but you get the Mike Tyson, who's sort of the bad guy of the film, who, as you mentioned earlier, does the Godzilla thing, where he will turn up and growl, growl, he literally growls at someone, I'm pretty sure. And then you don't see him until like a kind of like a pivotal moment where it means just challenges him to a fight, and then that's the end of it. Like, that's done. Like, yeah, it's, it was interesting. Yeah, it was almost a cameo if it wasn't a five-minute fight scene. Yeah. Um, but basically, he's the kingpin behind the Get These Chinese Gangs, as I mentioned way earlier in the podcast. Um, it goes from being the Chinese oppression to English oppression. 
and then it's like gangs are kind of taking over and trying to control things um so like actual locals are trying to uh, bully people into giving up land and whatnot so they can make their own money yeah and they're doing like um uh uh child kidnapping ring and like it's a bunch of like shady stuff going on here. Yeah. Oh yeah, heck yeah. Um but again it's now it's it's changed who it is. But again this this gang's being run by a foreigner, a big Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, but as you say, it's not it's not really that's the main plot for most of it and it pushes the movie along, but the actual end of the film is against uh, a fellow uh, uh, Wing Chun uh, martial artist. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's the best way to tackle this one? It's kind of kind um, of tended to skip most of the... Okay, so we'll do the this, this super like plot overview. Uh, he's in Hong Kong and he's set up his school. Um, we get a little bit about uh, Bruce Lee trying to become a student. Oh yeah, which we covered um, earlier. And then he's sort of having a falling out with his wife, um, Ibman is. Uh, they've got his son um, attending a new school. And that's when we get the um, extortionists coming to the school saying if they don't sell the property, you know, they'll hurt people or they'll break, they'll burn the school down. Um, so uh, Ibman and his students volunteer um, as sort of watchmen watchmen and bodyguards yeah. over the school because the, the police are sort of corrupt and they don't they can't spare the people well yeah this what I, what I understand is that there is still the there is a level of the British police that are basically behind the gang at some level yeah they're and so they're, they're benefiting from the uh, I think they're taking you know a large cut of whatever the extortion money is yeah and so they're so telling, telling the, the police to like not to not interfere. Yeah, the Chinese, actual Chinese police. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess that that's yeah, when um, yeah. Ip Man and I can't remember his character's name, the other uh, Wing Chun um, fighter. Chi. They they both have kids at this, the same school. Mm-hmm. I have a question: How is it that Ip Man? Because you said this is like after World War, so this is like forty nine. You said um, earlier. The second Ibn and third one? three is set in 1959. He had a little boy at... In yeah, we don't, we don't think about now. it. <laughs> I'm thinking about it, and I'm getting confused now. <laughs> okay, that's okay. We won't think about it anymore. But yes, so they both have uh, children, sons, going to the school. Um, and he helps... I guess Itman and his his uh, students fight off these gang members at one point, and they establish and they recognize they both uh, uh, Wing Chun fighters. And I, from memory, they come from the same school or taught by the same master. Um, there's a divide in the lineage of Wing Chun. I think there's there's okay ahead just, of this. I... There was like two different teachers, and so they each learned under a different one but it's supposed to just be one school and i think that this this the climactic fight in this is what kind of drove the schools further apart yeah okay 
Um, yeah, and so the, but they are both uh, Wing Chun fighters, and he is also very good. This other guy, um, and he wants to set up his own school, doesn't he? Yeah, he wants to set up his own school, but he's not willing to share the area with Iman. Yeah, but yes, that's the weird thing. It is you're saying that uh, I derailed us from the quick plot overview. Is that they they were friendly and worked together early on, but then they became more enemies. I mean, it's it's, it's to deal with money. Um, yeah. So the uh, Chung Tin Chi the other uh, Wing Chun practitioner, he pulls like a rickshaw. Like he's, that's like one of the lowest jobs that you could have. You know, he just kind of is a taxi. Um, He's trying to set up his school, but the rent for the buildings is like really expensive. And on Mm -hmm. his salary, he can't afford that. But he is offered a job. Um, He basically does like fight clubs. So he'll go do the fight clubs and win and then like, you know, get the money from that to pay for things. But the, um, the boss of the fight club is the sub gang leader and recruits him to act as sort of, um, it's not even really a bodyguard. It's a extortionist. Like he sends him out to go beat up people. So they'll pay money. Yep. You know? So yeah, so he kind of flip-flops around from being a good guy to a bad guy. Yeah, just for um, the money and, until um, we get the uh, giant kidnapping incident and realize that, oh, the bad guys kidnapped both of their sons. Yes. And that was um, and this is where move. I kind of think... <laughs> I think this is where the... Um, well, yeah, the, the beef between them comes... Um, from his point of view, is that he's kind of jealous because Ip Man goes to the rescue to rescue his son, and he gets all the credit. Right, and I think that they kind of portray that that his, there was a bit of jealousy because he also helped rescue the kids, but Ip Man got the credit. Well, uh, I, I don't know because he's the one that like put them in the situation in the first place. That is true. Yes, I know. <laughs> but so he didn't realize his fault. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's a bit strange. Um, but yeah, and again, this is when it kind of has that tonal shift. It's this, this fight against these uh, gang members. Uh, it man wins out is the hero again. Uh, the gangs kind of fall apart. Mike Tyson is Frank is angry. It man goes to end in this whole problem with these gangs, but Frank respects it man enough because he can fight against them. Again, it's a time thing, isn't it? If you can yeah, fight me for five minutes, was it five yeah. minutes? Yeah. It's like, if you're still standing at the end of the, the five minutes, um, like I'll forget about whatever, um, grievance we have together. Yeah, and so it means ruined his whole, I guess, income Operation. stream. Yeah, yeah, but he forgives him because it man comes to him and fights him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm done. I respect the fight. I respect you enough to not chase you anymore." And then that whole arc is done. Like the whole kind of that initial plot of protecting the school, um, as you mentioned earlier, that his wife is getting upset with him because he's never around. He's he's out all night and then teaching all day. Um, mm-hmm. And she's, she's ill. She's really sick. 
we just we that's right at the end of this kind of yeah. that arc we hear we find out that she's um bowel cancer yeah i, I think so yeah um and then then the, then the whole new movie starts pretty much <laughs> um it actually has a kind of a nice um i guess uh throwback to the first one because mm-hmm. then we have that that the whole um what's what's his name i can't say his name Ching, what's his character's name? <laughs> uh, Chin. Um, he does the whole um, show how powerful he is by challenging all the other masters. He kind of does what we saw in the first film happening, and yeah. it goes to a little bit more wild, wild, wild west. And yeah, he just no, I mean, starts is going great. down. He, he recruits um, one of the newspaper guys to follow him around and like take photos of him beating people up. Yeah, to get it in the paper so he can be more famous. And I, I just like how, um, yeah, it's a, again another tonal shift in the film. Like, has this montage of him just beating people up <laughs> in weird places and in, in the in the tea house and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess he becomes famous because he is good. He is a very skilled fighter, and but he's not satisfied with being the best. He wants to prove that he's the best uh, Wing Chun master in Hong Kong. And so he, he puts out a challenge to Ip Man. Um, yeah, but he doesn't accept. Well, I mean, at this point, his, his wife is um, on basically her deathbed. I mean, she's so sick. So he, Ip Man shifts his priorities to like entirely family only. Um, to take care of his wife, which is why he's, he's ignoring this challenge. Yeah, and again, it's we've talked about it earlier. It shows his that the type of character he is like he's not one to shy away from a challenge. But family, his wife was more important. Yeah, well, I mean, and his so wife his... says that to him. I think she yeah. says to him, "If I wasn't sick." Would you go fight? Would you take the challenge? And he says, "Oh yeah, yeah." Um, and yeah, it's an interesting contrast because he's willing to put his, but I guess his honor because the guy is calling him out, man. Like he's being—he's not being nice about challenging him. He's pretty much calling him a coward. Yeah, um, everything. And so it's it's yeah, it's interesting. But Ipman's not—he's happy to to take that because as he said, his wife's more important. And as you see, when the wife asks that question and it leads to the saddest training montage I've ever seen in a martial art film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you like your montages, but yeah, even this one, this one got to me too. So she basically, yeah. you go, go ahead. You can even, you can, yeah, yeah, you go, you go. I've done enough talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she's laying, you know, sick in her in her bed, and she asks him um, if she can hear him practice. She's used to hearing him um, hit the the Wing Chun, the wooden dummy, and um, so he he obliges her and goes over, and he he's like, it's it's super like not want to do the training session. He's kind of tentatively kind of hits it a little bit, and then a little bit more, and then he just starts like wailing on it because it's sort of, I think, a release or, a, you know, of emotion and something therapeutic. To, yeah. Um, it, it's, again, the cinematography in this film is is very good. Like, 
it, it, I think the lighting, the mood of the scene, the I think even the audio, it's quite just very little happening and just the loud the whacking of that wood, such a sharp, distinct sound just echoes through the scene and it's just you can just feel the pain that he's he's going through the pain his wife's going through um uh, it's yeah it's a very powerful scene and very yeah, very sad and this is when yeah, the other wife pretty much gives him permission to challenge the, <laughs> um, the other wing chung fighter uh, is which is kind of cool i think that's nice it's a nice uh, turn as uh, she's her character's evolved his character's evolved and the love they have for each other is portrayed well in this in this kind of end of this film. Yeah, um, it's just unfortunate that it, uh, the circumstances were what they were for that that couple because I think their life was kind of turning around before she got sick anyway. It seemed to be things were getting better, uh, but I guess that's kind of how it is with this. You know, life just throws you a big curveball there. Yep. But um, yeah, so that I guess that brings us to the the penultimate um, battle. And um, what did you think of the set piece for this? This was, I thought it was, it was great. Yeah, it was very cool. It was like a, um, i trying to think what it was. It was, a, it was lots of dark wood. It was a cool tone in the head, like, um, like gold is the big sign, the Wing mm-hmm. Chun master sign. It was just had a real cool look to it. And again, cinematography, the, the the way the the fighting choreography was done around the set was awesome uh i guess the dark tones suited the dark kind of somber mood that led up to this fight yeah well i mean even the fight itself is very quiet they don't say anything to each other really um they go through the traditional um butterfly uh swords and the long eight foot pole the traditional wing chun weaponry they're doing each of the the form kind of things that they're supposed to do to demonstrate their mastery of uh, the the style. Well, and that's the contrast when um, uh, Itman was first challenged, it, it, it was set a date and he was supposed to turn up at that date. And it was this big grand showing everyone, lots of people were there and invited there. This guy was being an exhibitionist mm-hmm. and that's how he became famous was because he was challenging these masters in public. Well, not even challenging them, forcing them to fight in public uh, and shaming them, uh, which is very uh, contrary to Ip Man's approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, uh, and this fight here in the, when Ip Man steps up to challenge, it's in private. It's quiet, as you say, quiet. There's no um, flourish or flamboyancy to, to the, what's happening except the fight itself. Uh, yeah, it's a cool, uh, I guess, a bookend to the, to the trilogy. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a nice touch that their sons are watching too. Oh yes. Yeah, I forgot about the sons. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good, very cool fight scene, and it was nice to see the weaponry as you mentioned because uh, they talk about it briefly in this film when they're discussing their Wing Chun, that what kind of focus they had, and is it man was he more focused on the staff? Yeah, the, the pole. That was his his thing his thing yeah uh we haven't really seen the the weaponry because i know wing chung is designed to fight use weaponry but we haven't really seen that and it most yeah it's all been mostly fists so yeah. it's kind of cool to kind of have it summed up this way no it was good it was a it was a fitting uh 
finish to this and um it definitely makes me excited to see what they're what they're possibly going to be doing with number four yeah i i once you mentioned that the fourth, fourth one's coming i guess i'm a little apprehensive because as i said i think this is a good end to a trilogy i thought it ended really strongly and i i, I guess there's a worry that they might drop the ball a little bit um that or maybe they'll be start they'll start to focus on uh, bruce lee oh that could be interesting yeah going like, to the train do the same thing in like half the movie is leading up to that and then the, the last half is bruce lee i don't know i don't know uh i'd have to be more familiar with um eight months well, maybe, like, biography i guess yeah maybe we can cover that um closer when it on release or closer when it first yeah, releases I mean, why not <laughs> be topical for once <laughs> uh yeah good good film um very very sad ending um do they sh- i can't remember actually now i mentioned it do they actually show the wife passing or do they leave it um i think they leave it and it pops up in the uh the little the credits credit uh scroll yeah uh yeah and i guess um it kind of goes without saying it man wins <laughs> we didn't yeah, actually he, say it but yeah he does in fact win this fight uh yeah he's got yeah he's the man yeah this was probably the the least uh disparate fight you know there's they're really close in skill yes uh, and and because it's a similar to the same style yeah and but as we alluded to there is slight variation there's uh, there's differences there, yeah uh from personality and they um yeah share a different so what you said it was they different they have different masters but their master's master was the same so they're kind of like cousins. i think so yeah kung fu cousins yeah, yeah um i think that uh that wraps up number three that brings us to our or submission of uh, some some viewer commentary. I guess they put a whole question out of it. <laughs> yep. This is a big one. <laughs> it was. Um, this is from uh, Pete Lawson at Mr. Worry on Twitter. Pete says, I'm wondering about the almost universally negative portrayal of non-Chinese characters in these films. Was Eatman famed for xenophobia? Or is it just the attitudes and opinions of the makers and or the Chinese audience? Or am I getting something badly wrong? Plus, you've got the anti-Western attitudes of the Cultural Revolution, too. Maybe a topic for a history podcast rather than one on Kung Fu. Um, maybe. Uh, we'll take a crack at it anyway. And I, I, I tried to cover some of this um, during the... At least keep it in mind um, during the episode. So... We've done a, we've done a little bit of this already. Um, I didn't see anything specifically um, xenophobic about um, Yitman. Uh, if anything, uh, specifically, film number two went out of the way um, in his ending speech, where he talks about um, everyone sort of being universal and. You know, no art is better than any other one, and we should all just strive to be like good people to each other. Yep. Well, and that, that's what I was trying to get at. The movie, the second movie itself, it it wasn't necessarily showing the English as 
a bad oppressive people it was showing that there were bad people amongst the english if that makes sense yeah they like, they, they took they tried to be fair-handed with it you know showing yeah. that yeah there was bad things being done but it was a i think a product of the system maybe um rather than yeah. a product of the people inherently um yeah, there's a large focus on what the Japanese did, but that's historical as well. I mean, that happened. <laughs> the Japanese were quite brutal. <laughs> and, yeah. I don't think the movies went out their way to try and be excessively, uh, like, portray it, like, over the top. Mm. Um, I just think they were... Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, if anything, they were understating it. Yeah. Um, and but Frank, uh, Mike Tyson, he was portrayed in a good light in some ways, I guess. Mm, I think as far as sportsmanship is concerned, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he had his values that he had would adhere to, and I mean, he was a family man. And he had uh, a, a Chinese wife and daughter, um, but he's running a giant criminal like enterprise so I mean, he's not like a good guy they were doing they were doing you know um like i said uh child slavery and stuff so no he's a bad guy yeah sure but <laughs> but they gave him a fair shake at least you know maybe as a person you i don't know that's a that's a tough call <laughs> yeah i agree fair enough um and as far as the cultural revolution um that didn't take place until about 10 years after um the end of the third film so i don't think it had any um place um in the portrayal uh of the attitudes inside the movie um that's not generally looked looked on favorably um by the uh the chinese people either it was a it's a bad time for everybody involved on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any, any thoughts you have on these, uh, Vader? No, I'm not as smart as you. I just like Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So I don't think they, they went, they, I don't think they were trying to portray a necessary, uh, a specific message. I think they were just trying to tell the story of, of Itman, who someone who fought for his country and there's, there's nothing to look badly on that. Everyone, um, every country has, should have some respect for their own country. <laughs> um, and yeah, we all have nationalism and we yeah want our country to do well. It's just, yeah, we shouldn't yeah. fight though. We shouldn't, we shouldn't fight wars. They're dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's sort of the message that, um, uh, himself was giving, exactly. um, the movie yeah I, that one review that i i circled away from um spoke about nationalism and and yeah there's a lot of that in this in in all all these movies um it's no accident that the the villains and the set pieces for this are foreign you know all the bad guys what you know the degree of bad or not they weren't chinese you know they're outsiders. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it's part of the movie. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's part, part of history. The so they, yeah. I think they they gave it a fair shake. And um, like like we, our small disclaimer at the beginning is um, yes, neither uh, 
Vader nor myself are um, Chinese, so we're coming at this from uh, a different perspective. But um, we're totally willing and uh, want to, you know, engage with these um, from multiple views, and uh, which you know, trying to provide that with commentary and um, some of the reviews we take a look at. Um, oh, yeah, sure. so um, Pete, thanks. We really appreciate um, you you writing in, and hopefully we've uh, answered your questions there. So, yep, thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah, so everybody else, send us stuff. I mean, it can be a difficult question like this. We'll give it a go. Yeah, don't ask me to write lists though, because I'm bad at choosing my favorite list. <laughs> Yeah, don't, yeah, that's yeah. Don't ask this for me either. I can't. Uh, sorry, I've seen too many films. My favorite, my favorite kung fu film is the last one I saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll just re- we'll oh, replace yeah. that swiftly um, within you know a week. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I guess that wraps us up for this marathon session of the It Man trilogy. Yeah, and surprisingly, we're about right on time. Yeah, did well. Yeah. yeah, for three movies. Um, yeah, despite was, uh... my <laughs> despite my derailing us constantly, we got there. Oh, no, I think uh, you interjected on in a timely fashion. Yes. <laughs> right, so uh, where can yeah, folks I... find you? Um, you can find on me on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus, and uh, yes. yourself, Vader. I'm at VaderVanOden.com. Um, yeah, I do YouTube and another gaming podcast. You can find it all there. Yeah, um, all of our links will be um, in the notes. And uh, as always, um, send in reviews. That'd be great. Uh, or just, you know, kudos or something. Let us know you're listening. Uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, share, share the podcast with your friends. Um, and that's, uh, that's a wrap. That's us, uh, signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>